that I am able to bring you a lesson as the official preacher of this particular congregation, and I want to try my best to share with you my heart as we try to say goodbye. Hopefully, I'll be able to come back and speak again, but it certainly won't be as the official preacher here. Many of you know that <clears throat> I'm not a big music fan at all, except, of course, for songs of the 80s, which, by the way, are still alive and well. Always remember that. But Boys to Men recorded a song in 1991, an acapella that originated in September of 1975 that I believe has the following appropriate lyrics for this occasion of what I would call my last official sermon. The lyrics say, How do I say goodbye to what we had? The good times that made us laugh outweighed the bad. I thought we'd get to see forever, but forever's blown away. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. I don't know where the, <clears throat> this road is going to lead us. All I know is what we've been through and what we've been. If it gets me to tomorrow, I hope it's worth all the pain. It's hard to say goodbye to yesterday. And so I'll take with me the memories to be my sunshine after the rain. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. I think Winnie the Pooh really hit the nail on the head when he said, how lucky am I to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard? You know, goodbyes are never easy. And in fact, they're very difficult when <clears throat> it comes to family, which is what I consider uh, you folks to be today. Saying goodbye is something that <clears throat> is very common in our world today. We know that it takes on different settings. I, for one, have never been very fond at all of saying goodbye. Maybe we say goodbye when a loved one dies, or maybe it's the loss of a job, or maybe it's dear friends that move away from each other. Or maybe we say goodbye when loved ones are separated, either for a long or a short period of time. Sometimes goodbyes can seem somewhat complicated, like when Jesus had to say goodbye to His disciples. And we need to realize that Jesus loved His disciples immensely. But after He says goodbye to them, things will never be the same again. But Jesus has to say goodbye to them in order for the things of the future about the truth and the church to come to pass. And so goodbyes are very, very hard. I can illustrate that in my own life. I know when Jody and I first met back in the summer of 85, I was about to be a junior at Freed Hardeman, and she was about to begin her senior year of high school, and I was out there on a campaign, and I met her at that particular time, and that's where things got started with us. I even gave her a, a Bama shirt. She thought it was jelly. So <clears throat> we had a long way to go in that particular relationship. But the thing that was unique about that, I had to go back in August, 1st of August, back to Fred Hardeman. She was in California. And young folks, we, don't, we didn't have cell phones like y'all have today. We couldn't text. We couldn't FaceTime. We couldn't do all those things that you can to keep up with each other today. And so we would have to kind of sneak around and hope our parents didn't catch us on the telephone maybe when we were at home so the landline bill wouldn't be so high. 
Uh, another thing we did, we wrote letters, lots of letters. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when we moved to our first work after we got married, we had a huge box of letters that we had kept. And I'm still thankful we did that. I was a little bit hesitant because I'm so sentimental. But except for a few cards and things like that, we had a massive burning <clears throat> out in the front lawn. We know if our kids ever get a hold of this stuff, you know, we'll never hear the end of it. So they'll never, ever uh, see those. But anyhow, I remember leaving her then. I remember her coming out at Christmas time for about 10 days. And then there was five more months of separation. Five, goodbyes are, are very, very difficult. And, uh, you know, when I think about Jody and I think about what she means in my life, you know, you think about what she has really had to put up with in me for the last 34 years. If you just knew that, there's no doubt there would be a new category invented for a Nobel Prize because she truly, she truly deserves uh, all the accolades for everything that she's put up with, the sacrifices that she has made being away from her family. And, uh, you know, she's just as much of a Southerner now as I am. And uh, she can cook as good as anybody in the South can now. And uh, she spent far more time here than she has at home. But she sacrificed so much. And yet, I think back to that time, and, you know, goodbyes are so very very hard. You know, when Jesus says goodbye to his disciples, they're very upset. They're very confused. You can imagine because you see things aren't supposed to be this way. The reality of Jesus no longer being with them is not only heartbreaking, but it's very frightening. And we know that goodbyes can often be very, very scary. Whenever there's a change in life, saying goodbye can be difficult because of the unknown. You know, we just don't know what the future holds and the way that we feel comfortable whenever that changes, it can be a very dark time in our lives. And I think the disciples of Jesus experienced these same kind of feelings, these same kind of emotions when Jesus told them that, he was going to be leaving them because, you know, who are they going to turn to now? Who's going to be their leader? Who's going to be their guide? Maybe they wanted to say hello to the future without saying goodbye to the past. But you know, as long as we are human beings upon this earth, there will always be those goodbyes, those that we cherish, those that hurt us deeply, those that cause pain and disappointment. And ultimately, each one of us are going to have to say goodbye to all the physical things that we see around us as we pass into eternity. And as we think about and consider this today, that's my goal to focus our attention for the next few minutes on Delreda. You know, Jody and I moved here with our three children, Holly, Philip, and Mallory, Back in April of 2001, at least I started here in April, they stayed back in Jasper till the kids could finish school uh, for another month or so. Now the photo you see on the screen here, if it's up today, was taken a week right before we moved here. It was on my birthday and 
Of course, Jody's not in the picture because there was no need to put her in. She hasn't changed at all uh, in all this time. But uh, it's amazing to see the changes that have taken place. You know, Jody and I have literally spent over a third of our lives, our entire lives, right here. When we moved here, Mallory was as old as our oldest granddaughter, Riley, is right now. And oh, I can think back about all the excitement of beginning our work with you folks some 20 years ago. You know, we had never owned a house of our own, and you know, that was exciting. I remember that first weekend mowing my yard and what a task that was, but there was kind of a sense of pride there because I was mowing my yard, you know, it was something that belonged to me. And of course, we were very excited about our children attending Alabama Christian Academy. In fact, that's one of the primary reasons we looked into this area to begin with, because I'm a firm believer in Christian education. I think Christian education is something that we need to take advantage of, and I wanted my kids to have that opportunity. And we were especially anticipating our kids being a part of the elementary children's program and the youth group then at, here at Delreda. And the, what a blessing uh, that was and it continues to be uh, to our children and to us today. And all my children were greatly blessed in many ways as a result of being here at Delreda. I believe with Delreda's assistance, our children were able to grow in wisdom and statue and favor with God and with men. And all of them still look back fondly and attribute a lot of their spiritual growth and the development of their strong biblical convictions to their association with Delreda. Now, Holly, who was 10 when we moved here, she's now a lawyer. She's teaching in the Jones School of Law and Criminal Justice Department over at Faulkner. And I think she certainly chose the right profession because from the time she could speak, she never lost an argument in her own mind. But you know, because of Delreda, she met her future husband, John David, because of Delreda and her meeting John David. We now have two beautiful grandchildren with them, uh, Riley Ann and Eli. I think about Philip, who's now a captain in the United States Marine Corps, and I think about his background and strong convictions developed from his youth have led him to be highly respected among his peers, and much of that development can be attributed to Delreda. And if it wasn't for Delreda, I don't think Philip probably would have ever met Abby. And if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't have sweet Lanny Kate and Tyson here either. So you can just see God's providence at work and how it's impacted my children. Of course, Mallory, our youngest, is now living in Memphis with her husband, Hunter, and they're making such good progress. They're growing spiritually. Uh, she and Hunter are having Bible studies in their own home, and they're having conversions as a result. And of course, none of my children are perfect, but I'm proud of each of them, and I'm thankful for the tremendous contribution that Delreda has made toward each of them. You know, when Paul wrote the Philippian church, a church that was so near and dear to him, Paul said in Philippians 1 and verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy. 
You know, Paul here in this letter talked about remembering these brethren and his reflection on the memories that he had of his relationship with these brethren brought joy to his heart. And when I think about today and the last 20 years here at this church, my mind is literally flooded with precious memories. You know, one of the first things that comes very quickly to my mind today are those faithful and dedicated brethren who are no longer with us today. I don't mean to be morbid, but over the last 20 years, I've conducted over 200 funerals. That's really enough to do most churches in, but I think Del Rada has grown younger through the years. And these folks were precious to me. These folks were my friends, and I can assure you that doing a funeral never gets easier at all. In fact, it becomes more and more difficult every single time. And whenever I look out over this auditorium as I am today, I can tell you where every one of those people seated were sitting when they assembled together. And I think about often their encouragement. I think about their dedication, their commitment to the Lord. And those of you who are fairly new here, you need to realize that this congregation is stable today. It's strong today because of those in the past who were strong, because of their backbone, because of their stamina. I just wish that we could just reflect on each one of these who've gone the way of all the earth and reflect on the tremendous, the tremendous influence that they've been on this church. So many wonderful times I think about, so many periods of fellowship. You know, I think about 15 or 20 years ago, uh, the, the Christian, the Christmas party we had, the holiday party. There was enough people there that we could actually fill an entire ballroom at the Renaissance. I mean, there was a huge crowd. And you talking about something that was a joyful occasion, something that was fun and enjoyable, it certainly was. And I think about those periods of fellowship, and, and then I realize that one day there'll be a grand reunion of all the faithful, and I'm anticipating that day with great joy and hope. I think there's a lot of truth to that grand old hymn that says, we are going down the valley one by one. And it's true that all of us will continue to age. We will go through the process of living as those in generations gone by. And yet the church, as long as this earth stands, will continue to exist. Also over the past 20 years, there have been some 445 or so adults that have moved away. They're no longer worshiping here. Perhaps they were only here for a short time because of their job or maybe because of their military service. Several have moved away to be closer to family in other places. Some have gone on to other churches, and I'll just be honest, some just flat quit. And there have been some 805 people over the last 20 years who have come to Del Rada. Some of these include those that left and then 
maybe came back. This would include all of our precious children that were born during this time. Many of these have come and gone to other places, and as I've already mentioned, some, I should say many, are no longer with us. So it's obvious that we've had a lot of transition take place over the years, and that will continue over time. It's never going to stop. The dynamic will always be changing, and we need to be aware of that. And whenever I begin to remember, I, I think with fondness about all the children that have been born here. And I think about all the times that I was able to visit with new parents and that newborn in a hospital. Some of these are now in college. Many of these have grown and developed into wonderful Christian young people who have very bright futures. And one thing that I've really, really enjoyed through the years is attending your children's school events. Maybe it's a ball game, maybe it's a band concert, whatever it might be. I have thoroughly enjoyed watching your young people compete and to do their best in whatever it was they were engaged in. And that kind of leads me to, to this, and that is kids sing. You know, kids sing has not only been a blessing to me, I've been told numerous times that it's been a blessing to those that were a part of it. Not only children, but also adults. You know, several churches have started one of these kids seeing classes because they've been here. They have visited our services. They've seen what's transpired, and they want to do it where they worship, back home. And I think about that one saying, among others, that we always conclude with, I will do my best, I will never give up, and let God take care of the rest. You know, it's worth it to me to know that kids sing is so valuable when I hear a high school student or a college student come up to me and say, that got me through a difficult time this week. I was having a hard time, but I, I reflected on that statement. I will do my best, I won't give up, and I'll let God take care of the rest. And then I have to remember Philip back when he was in first grade. Of course, we always ask the question, what's God's ideal for marriage? One man for one woman for life. Well, when Philip was in first grade in Jasper, he was called upon to lead the Pledge of Allegiance over the intercom before the entire school. And he said, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, one man for one woman for life. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it can stick with you, you know, if you repeat it enough and if you say it enough. But I've thoroughly enjoyed the kids scene class through these many years, and I hope that that's been profitable for our young people. I also remember many who have put on their Lord in baptism through the years. To see the joy in a parent's face when the one that they've raised makes the greatest decision ever to be baptized into Christ. Many times I've had the privilege up close to watch a father baptize his own child into Christ, and that's something wonderful to behold. And there have also been quite a few, several up in years, even 
those that were very close to death's door who made the decision to become a New Testament Christian. And I'm almost hesitant to mention this, but I am. There have probably been a minimum of 25 to 30 people here who have come to me privately, confidentially, questioning their baptism. And back, way back when, for whatever reason, and we've studied together and they made the decision to make their calling and election sure. And they were baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins. This was not something that had to be announced or needed to be announced. It was just something between them and their God and those that they might choose to tell. But several in that particular situation I have gained a lot from sitting down with and studying with. And certainly it's exhilarating to see the gladness and <clears throat> the peace of mind that come into the lives of one that chooses to obey the gospel. And certainly, even in their later years, to see the joy knowing that their sins have been washed away. Now, of course, there have been some very humorous things that have happened during baptisms here at Delrada that have become somewhat legendary. I'm not going to go into those right now, but uh, we can talk about those later on. But those will forever uh, be etched in the memories of those that were present on those particular occasions. But you know, I also greatly cherish the memories I have when my children were in the youth group. That's right. I, I was a chaperone on many, many occasions, and so was Jody, and I enjoyed being a part of those trips. I remember going to camp, or maybe it was rafting, or youth devotionals, or just hanging out in the teen room. Maybe it was following a football game on Friday night, or maybe it was holiday parties, or maybe it was assisting our young men as they prepared sermons or prepared to lead singing on the fifth Sunday. And all three of the youth ministers and their wives who have been here over the last 20 years were great Christian role models. These youth ministers that I've had the privilege to serve with the last 20 years took the importance of teaching God's Word very seriously. And it showed. Because you see, our young people here at Del Rada have had a reputation through the years. They've had a reputation of being known as folks that not only knew what the Bible says, not only did they recognize the distinction of truth and right, they were willing to be courageous and take a stand. And I'm so confident that the next full-time youth minister will continue that tradition that our young people grow up and with the assistance of our youth group, because, you know, nobody can take a parent's place, but with the assistance of our youth program, they can develop a strong biblical knowledge. They can develop strong convictions that can stand the test of temptations and difficulties. And then I think about all the wonderful fellowship events which have taken place through the years. I think about all those trunk or treats, or I think about holiday parties, or maybe it was a prime timer or a baby boomer event, or just the fellowship meals we enjoyed together. All of that was encouraging and edifying and brought us closer to one another. And I can tell you, I have really, really missed those 
over the last 16 months or so since we had this pandemic. And then I think about the literal hundreds and hundreds of visits that I've had the privilege of making to your homes or to the hospital. You know, for several years, Jim Russell and I would visit on Wednesday afternoons, and I'll always cherish that time that Jim and I got to spend together. We would visit for two or three hours on Wednesday afternoon. And let me tell you, there's been some funny things that have transpired during those times. I'm just going to share one with you. On one occasion, uh, me and Jim went to visit Ben Slauson after he moved to assisted living. And we knocked on the door and he opened the door and immediately we were hit like an oven door had been opened up and the oven was on broil. Of course, it was July outside. It was already hot, but it was a lot cooler outside than it was inside. I don't know really how Ben was living at that particular time. So we walked in and I knew that we were either going to have to lose 10 pounds and change our clothes after this visit or something was going to have to change. And so Jim distracted Ben for a minute and I walked over and turned the air conditioner on out of sheer survival mode. But you know, I, I remember those times. I remember uh, several times when Jim and I enjoyed making those visits. It's always been the case that whenever I visit somebody, I'm always more encouraged than the thing that I try to do to encourage. But then I want you to notice what Paul said to the Philippian brethren in verse 5. He said, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. You know, Paul was so grateful that this Philippian church that were such strong encouragers of his, he was so grateful that this church understood the real purpose of the church's existence. Paul said they were partners together in the gospel. And the true purpose of the church's existence today is simply to be the pillar and ground of the truth. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15. And that brings to mind several things about Del Rada. I think this congregation is known as being a friendly congregation. From the time I've been here, I've always tried to stress the importance of, of being friendly, of of being welcoming toward those who might visit us. And I think we have a very wonderful reputation as being a friendly church. Through the years, I've heard from so many people about the friendliness of the folks that attend here. Even those that would not agree with us doctrinally. When they visited here, they still had very positive comments to say about our friendliness and hospitality. I think people really enjoy coming here. They enjoy coming back when they pass through from time to time. And then when I think about that Philippian church and the congregation here at Del Rada, there is no doubt in my mind that we are one of the most mission-minded churches that I know of anywhere. You know, Paul emphasized in Philippians 1 and verse 5, their partnership in the gospel. 
And when you stop and consider all the various parts of the world, when you think about the many different works that Del Reda's involved in, it is truly amazing. It's astounding. Through the years, we've done without some things that we might even need locally so that the gospel could be carried to other parts of the world. And folks, today, you need to consider the fact and you need to understand that there's going to be thousands and thousands of people, more than you can even imagine or think, there's going to be thousands of people in heaven because of the mission efforts of this church and your financial generosity in making those mission efforts possible. You know, whenever our leadership asks or suggests funds, maybe on the spur of the moment for a certain work, you folks here always come through many times over, and you've done it every time. And I'm so thankful for your generosity. I'm so thankful for your faithful giving to the Lord through the years. I remember when I tried out here in November of 2000, the weekly budget was $9,000 a week. And now it's $22,500 a week. And I think that continued liberal giving shows how much you love and how much you care for the Lord and His church. And then I want you to notice what Paul said to the Philippians in verse 8. He said, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve those things that are excellent. I believe one of our strong points here has been the love that we've shown not only toward God, but toward one another. There's no doubt in my mind that brethren here truly love the Lord and His church. Whenever there's been a death, you've always been there. You've always come to the assistance to those who've lost loved ones, whether it's with food or financial support or tremendous encouragement, whatever that individual may need, you're always there. You've always been there to help and assist. The same thing has also been true when there have been illnesses of various kinds that have impacted a family here in our congregation. You don't even have to be asked. You're always right there. You're always on the spot, always willing to help. You know, Paul wrote the Philippians here in chapter 2 and verse 2. He said, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. You know, one of the tremendously strong points of this church that maybe I cherish more than any other is the great unity that has prevailed in this church through the years. I think brethren here basically have had the same mind. They've had the same love for God and for one another. I think unity has been one of our most powerful assets because you see, unity among God's people is not a luxury. It's a necessity. It's essential if the church is going to make progress. And with some exceptions, there's always been that spirit, there's been that attitude that 
we're going to get along with each other. Now, we certainly have not always agreed on everything, nor has it always been easy, but I think unity has prevailed. And I think by and large, brethren here have a very strong and healthy respect for our eldership, which is so very important. You know, my oldest daughter recently made an observation that wasn't necessarily meant to be a compliment, I guess, at the time it was made to another person, and I never had really thought about it until I was told what she said. She made the statement, I've never heard my dad ever say one negative thing or make one negative comment about any elder or eldership. You know, I thought about that, and I'll always cherish that sentiment. I, I've never really even considered that. And we have to respect the authority of God. But also in respecting the authority of God, we have to respect the authority of our elders if unity is going to exist. Now, I know uh, some who maybe should know better, have not done this from time to time. Maybe it's private comments or actions, but I believe for the most part, Del Rada here appreciates we respect and love our elders that care so much for us and desires only what is in our best interest. And my prayer and my desire for the Del Rada congregation is that we'll always be united together for the greatest cause on this earth. And if unity is going to continue, we have to continue to work. We have to continue to labor in order to maintain it. That's why we must always be on our guard. That's why we must always desire to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, Ephesians 4 and verse 3. But then when I consider what Paul said in chapter 4 and verse 1, he said, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. You know, one of Del Rada's greatest attributes for which I'm so very thankful is our love and our stand for the truth of God's Word. I can't think of a church anywhere that has as much respect for the Word of God and its authority than brethren here do at Del Rada. Not only do you want, not only do you desire that the truth of God's Word be proclaimed, you demand it. You folks here expect that. You realize the Word of God is active and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. You understand the sentiment that Paul expressed to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, how we need to preach the Word and be urgent in season and out of season. Do it when it's popular. Do it when it's not popular. And I think it's a great blessing that we here at Del Rada, we've never focused on gimmicks. We've never focused on entertainment to try to bring people in. I think it's wonderful that through the years we've avoided those extremes, whether it's to the left or to the right, which have plagued so many churches today. And I just hope and pray that this will continue to be the case for the next generation that's going to make up the local body here at this place. You know, we need to always have that attitude that we're going to buy the truth and never sell it, Proverbs 23 and verse 23. But then Paul begins to close his great letter to the Philippians in 
chapter 4 and verse 19. He says, My God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We need to understand that God is always going to be with us if we faithfully serve Him. So what does the future hold here for Delreda? Well, it all depends on what we continue to do in the present. But I think it also depends on each individual having that strong desire to become more like Jesus every single day that we live. And I think as long as that is true, as long as we're striving to become more like Jesus every day, the church here is going to grow. As we grow individually, we will grow collectively. You know, it's been my goal in this lesson to have strictly a positive approach. But I know there's a lot of things we need to improve on. There's a lot of things we need to change. I know there's a lot of changes that I need to make. There are many areas wherein I need to do better and improve on. And the only way for Del Rada to continue to flourish is for each individual to understand their personal responsibility to change and to better. Not to focus on what somebody else may need to do, but focus on what I need to do. Focus on my being a better person. Focus on my being a better servant, not on somebody else and criticizing them. It begins from the pulpit to the pew, from leadership to the member. We put activity and Christian service back into our lives. We renew our dedication and our commitment to the Lord. And so I'm going to close our lesson for today. You know, in life, we face a lot of disappointments. There are difficulties, betrayals in life. There are many defeats that we have to deal with. And may God help us to understand that when we go through these times that this world is not our forever home. We need to understand that everything that concerns us in life right now, everything that concerns us is only temporary in nature. Even the more complex things in life are working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And as God's children, we need to understand that this is not our home. This is not where we belong. We're strangers. We're pilgrims. We're searching for a better place. And as we every day try to be more like Jesus, we are anticipating that time when we will go to our heavenly home. And we long for and eagerly await that time of rest, reward, and reunion where we will worship God around the throne for eternity. And how we need to praise God for His goodness toward us. And so I'm going to close with what Paul said in his closing words to the elders at Ephesus in Exodus 20 and verse 32. We read there about their parting and they knew in tears that they probably would never see each other again on time's side of eternity. And Paul said, And now I commend you to God and the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them 
that are sanctified. And so I close today expressing the fact that Jody and I love every one of you. We care about you so very much. We're not 100% sure where we're going yet. We've got a very, very good idea that it's probably going to be finalized here in the next few days. But we will certainly always treasure our time here and our time spent with you. I'm going to close today extending the Savior's invitation. Somebody asked me one time, why do you always close your lessons talking about the plan of salvation? Well, my simple reply was, it's very well the case that there's someone in the audience each time who's there for the first time, and maybe the last time. And this may be the only time that they'll ever hear what God expects an individual to do to order to be saved. Somebody said, well, what should you do if you go to a church and you don't hear the plan of salvation for six months? Well, you ought to change preachers or you ought to change churches. But God's plan of salvation is so very simple. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, John 8 and verse 24, if you believe that with all of your heart, you can change your life, repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3 and 5. You can make that confession that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God, Acts 8 and verse 37. And even today, you can be baptized into Christ, buried with the Lord in baptism, Romans 6, 3 and 4. And you can arise from that watery grave of baptism, forgiven of every sin you've ever committed. And you can have the confidence as you're faithful in life that the blood of Jesus will keep on cleansing you of all sin, 1 John 1 and verse 7. So this morning, the invitation is yours. If you're subject to it, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.